0: The morning show. The home team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame.
1: Crossover. Step back. Ah!
0: The right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain. It's the crossover podcast right here on 960theref.com. Plenty to get to on today's episode. And it's all college football as Thank goodness. The college football season begins. We're recording this on Thursday. And yes, there were week zero games, but come on. It really begins tonight with Northwestern and Purdue.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, Tulane and Wake Forest play. I mean, mm. that could uh that could be interesting if you're a degenerate gambler. Um Texas A and M, I guess that's the one SEC school in action tonight as the Jimbo Fisher era kicks off in college station against uh who are they playing? Northwestern State, I believe. That's correct. Like, half the schools in the SEC, including Georgia, are playing uh, FCS opponents, which just makes me want to gag.
0: Yeah, and it's just a, it's not the greatest week for opening weeks for the SEC, but uh, next weekend at least gets better with some, some SEC matchups, Georgia and South Carolina. But, yeah, for now, it is somewhat of a dull slate. And even Alabama-Louisville, I mean, nobody thinks that Louisville is going to be able to keep that one very close. Uh, You look at some of these other uh, games that are, I guess, even against FBS schools, like Ole Miss, Texas Tech. That doesn't really do anything for me, Um, but I do like the fact that LSU and Miami are playing. I think that's the one from this weekend overall that I am most intrigued by.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, get a look at Sunday at Coach Rick, our old coach here, and LSU is, I mean, LSU is one of the, probably of all the teams in the SEC, the one that's been the hardest to figure out this off season because there's like one side of your brain that's telling you, I mean, this is LSU, of course they're going to be good, and then the other side is telling you like, well, Ed Orgeron's their head coach now, so they could absolutely be a, a disaster, and, um, you know, I think for LSU, that's a, that, that's a huge game to swing whether or not they could potentially win, like, eight or nine games again or completely, like, just hit rock bottom to, uh, you know, levels that they were at pre-Saban when Jerry DiNardo was their head coach. Ooh, man. And that's the last nice. time. 1999 was the last time LSU uh, – what'd they go that year? I guess they won five or six games and – you know, so if you look at their, you know, the, the season win total that's hanging out there for LSU around seven and a half. I mean, if you're going under on that, you're definitely fighting history because LSU has been going over that for, uh, you know, about 15, 16 years now.
0: And in terms of the good matchups, you know, there is a little game over in Atlanta uh, featuring Auburn and Washington that should be pretty intriguing over at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, two really good quarterbacks, maybe two of the best in the country in uh, Jared Stidham, and uh jake jake browning jake browning it's funny we we found Jacob eason well we found this out the other day on the morning show just kind of coincidentally every quarterback on washington's roster is like named jake or jacob yeah they're all jakes or jake there's like there's Jacob eason who's you know not eligible this year and then there's like two uh, two other jakes and, like, one other Jacob.
1: Yeah, I guess about, like, 20 years ago, that was a popular name. No, it was. We yeah. looked this
0: up. In 1998, it was the second most popular uh, name. Okay. Uh, because there's Jakes all over the place. You know, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason. But, like, uh, I'm Jake
1: was there, like, a really popular, like, Jacob back then? Because, you know, there's been, been we this... We were trying to think of
0: that, and we couldn't put a put our finger on it.
1: Because there's been this run of, I mean, like, every kid now seems to be named Shaq. And like, yes. Obviously, we know that kids that are... You know, college age now that are named Shaq. We know who they're named uh, after, and
0: there's some Raquans and Raquan, yeah, and yeah.
1: Raquans are coming up, and that's definitely in that wheelhouse. So I'm wondering, like, who's no the-
0: ODBs though? Why isn't anybody naming their kid Old Dirty Bastard?
1: Well, he went. He had so many names. You know, he was Mr. Russell Dirt Jones, McGirt. Dirt <laughs> McGirt, uh Dirty Old Cyrus. So that was hard, but that's what I'm going to name my first kid, Dirty Old Cyrus. Yeah. Well, what about Ghostface?
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah. that'd be a good one. Too that'd maybe. be a good what one. What about Rizza or Jizza? Like nobody's naming their kids that.
1: No, there but is a, There is. Is a SZA now? Oh, she's wow. like a female. Okay. Uh,
0: well, they need to go on tour together. RZA, yeah, GZA, SZA GZA. and RZA. I know. <laughs>
1: but uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm wondering who the Jake was in the uh, what late '90s? You said. Yeah, yeah that that's would what be we're the, trying to think. I mean, uh,
0: I, I came up with Jake Taylor, but that's too early. Like the because um, from what major major league? league. Yeah. What was that? The '80s? it was like late or '80s. So, or was that late '80s? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think. But that's not big. It's enough. The, yeah, that was the. But that was the only thing. I, that's the only Jake or Jacob that was like nationally relevant. That I could think about. Yeah. So I had, like, no idea why that happened. Why we have all these Jakes and and Jacobs right now. But, yeah, it was the second most popular name uh, given out, you know, in 1998. So makes well,
1: sense. Yeah, that's odd.
0: Yeah, but, but it's just it, it was just a weird anomaly that we found out, but anyway, uh, Washington much more uh, than Jake or Jacobs because they have a, a darn good football team. It's going to be interesting to see the crowd dynamic in this game because look, Washington has been a darling pick by a lot of the national media to go to the playoff this year. So are their fans going to be hyped about it, you know, are they, are they going to travel all the way from Seattle and in that area and, and put up a at least decent crowd. I'm thinking it's probably going to be, at best, for Washington, 15%.
1: Yeah, no, that's going to be like a home game for Auburn. I mean, they except for Washington, I know that they had it stipulated in agreeing to play the game in Atlanta. The roof would yeah, be the closed. Room, and
0: that's smart. That was really yeah. good. I don't know if that's something that a lot of people think about, you know, the tractable roofs and stuff. I guess we don't really hear about it that much because no college teams have them, and there are only so many of these neutral site games. But – it's something that's cool to think about. The, the Washington AD and the Washington Brain Trust was like, yeah, we're going there to play this game. But, hey, it's a retractable. Roof. Let's make sure it's closed so it's 72 and no win when we get in
1: there. Yeah, not dealing with the heat and uh, humidity. So, But, no, I mean, that's going to be like a home game for uh, Auburn. The same way in 2022 when Oregon comes here, it's going to be a home game for Georgia. I'm not sure why the Pac-12 keeps agreeing to come and play SEC teams uh well, in i want more
0: pac-12 scc matchups that's the one thing that like with the bowl season we don't have
1: well i would like them too but i don't i don't get from the pac-12 standpoint why they keep agreeing to do it in atlanta Like,
0: why is not like i don't know like an auburn going out to you know and i guess this this will happen when the new stadium opens in inglewood you know they're going to have some neutral side games and you would wonder if like an auburn would travel out to la to take on like stanford yeah, may, like I mean, that, you know maybe, I mean?
1: yeah. I mean, for the Pac-12, it doesn't make any sense. Because they just don't, I mean, Atlanta. well,
0: they do have the San Francisco Stadium. And I guess it's just because it's not, as college football in general just isn't as big over there.
1: No, but and I mean, it but Washington know. and where Seattle plays, that's one of the great college uh, atmospheres. Oh, absolutely. So they tailgate right yeah, there the boats, on the lake, so, yeah. I mean... It makes sense, so why not just do a home-and-home? Home? But uh, if, I don't know if these SEC schools can continue to convince Pac-12 schools to come across country for a neutral site encounter with them, then okay. I'm still upset we'll take it.
0: that uh, Georgia canceled or Oregon or whoever canceled the home-and-home home that they had. I mean, it's cool that they're going to play. But in Atlanta, it's like man, I would have loved to go to Eugene, you know, and check out. You know, they filmed Animal House there, man. Yeah, I know. Didn't it basically come down to Eugene and Athens? Yeah, and, like and,
1: Athens, you know, didn't uh, didn't want it. There was
0: some sort of like yeah reason Athens didn't want it, so Eugene got it. And,
1: I, I think it's like someone, whoever the president of the university was at the time, read the script and were like, eh, we'll pass on. He's that like that double super t- secret probation. Yeah, we'll pass on this being filmed here. <laughs> so went out to Eugene instead.
0: But no, the uh, that's gonna be a. I guess those are the two games in terms of at least our attention in in this region of the country, LSU-Miami and Auburn-Washington. Those are probably the two openers. Some people will say, what about Alabama-Louisville? And it's just, man, Louisville doesn't have Lamar Jackson. Their their new quarterback's name is Puma Pass. Uh, So we'll see. If he can, uh, you know, fill those shoes. Well,
1: Saban says he reminds him of uh, Scam Newton. So, yeah, because he's bigger. Yeah, like here's—I mean, here's the the angle in that game that everyone's the focus is on Lamar Jackson, and that's great. The guy did win the Heisman Trophy, and then followed that up with a season really just as good as the the year he had when he won the Heisman Trophy. Dude he had
0: 1,600 rushing yards yeah. as a quarterback.
1: Right. I mean, he, he had
0: more rushing yards than every other runner like on the team combined.
1: Yeah. I mean, he basically got punished for his defense not being as good, and that's the uh, that's the rub for Saturday night's game is Louisville's 125th in the country in returning production on defense. So Alabama's going to be able to score and move the ball at will against them. Uh, you know, the loss of Lamar Jackson, I think that blow is going to be softened just by the fact that it is Bobby Petrino who's the head coach there, and they're probably going to have uh, a competent offense. And I am intrigued by, when you look at this guy, this Juwan Pass, I mean, the size of him, uh, the comparisons that you are hearing. Um, you know, I mean, Newton is obviously uh, – uh, a a big name there and the idea of he reminds me of him but yeah when you look at his size and what he can do so um he'll be I'll I'll be you know curious to see him for sure but ultimately that game comes down it doesn't matter Lamar Jackson's not there Alabama's not I mean they're not going to be able to stop Alabama
0: no bottom line Alabama should you know that's that might be one where just because it's the first game of the season it's a little cagey at first a little closer you know teams feeling each other out and then Alabama's just going to put the foot on the gas and and steamroll and this isn't Uh, a little sister of the poor type team that Alabama takes it easy on. You know, this is a major opponent. Remember what they did to USC? Um, So this is one of those things where Alabama's probably licking their chops and getting ready for this big uh, neutral site Orlando game to open the season. I mean,
1: of all these that they've played recently, the closest one they've had was they beat West Virginia 33-23, I think at the start of the 2010 season. Uh, maybe but um, I mean that's it they they pummel everyone they face in the season opening games they've got the whole offseason to prepare and get ready for it uh, Saban is practically unbeatable in those scenarios when he's given you know extra time to get ready for a uh, a game and especially in this instance here when you've got a a whole month to prepare so um yeah I mean I you you fade Alabama in the first game of the season at your own peril even I mean even last year I remember watching that game against Florida State and it was like you know for most of the game it felt like boy you know Florida State could could score here it might be a contest because it was just like slow it was all right seven nothing and like 10 nothing or whatever it was and 17 and then all of a sudden it's like at the end of the game it's 24-7 and you know i it, i i've always said the you know the analogy it's like they just they put you in a chokehold in the center of the ring and eventually you just pass out and the referee raises your arm 3 times and the third time it drops and the match is over ring the bell <laughs>
0: that's right but yeah
1: i mean that's what it is it's just like a slow boil and you oh, die
0: yeah they just smother you it, it, the uh, the darkness encloses you and there's nothing you can do yeah, about it yeah
1: but it's like their games sometimes they don't always feel like they're just from beginning to end like one-sided routes, but then in the end it's like okay, they just beat Florida State twenty-four to seven, and uh, you know I guess it for most of the game. At no point did it seem like it was completely out of reach for Florida State, but the reality was it just it was. Man, they had no shot.
0: Yeah, so I just don't. At least in my opinion, I don't really see that Alabama-Louisville game as super intriguing. No,
1: the game to watch Saturday night is Notre Dame-Michigan.
0: And there's the other one in terms of a a game that doesn't really affect our region. That's why I was kind of saying that uh, Washington-Auburn game and then the uh, LSU-Miami are more regional. But then, yeah, you're totally right. The Michigan-Notre Dame game, uh, you get to see Shea Patterson playing for Michigan. He got that transfer from Ole Miss, eligible to play immediately. Uh, You've got a Notre Dame squad that, uh, you know, Brandon Wimbush going to be the quarterback, Brian Kelly, making sure to come out and announce that. And this is a rivalry that hadn't been played in a very long time and one that is one of the more traditional ones in college football and I'm just happy that it's back because, you know, for all of the talk people say about, you know, you don't need to, you know, the, the rivalries are, are over. Some of these rivalries are so lopsided. There's no point in playing them anymore. Tradition is still tradition and it still feels really good as a fan of that team. Like if you're a Notre Dame fan and you've got Michigan coming to, you know, South Bend and Notre Dame Stadium, that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, I mean a much bigger deal than like those, you know, the, the four or so ACC games that they play every year where like they host yeah, who Wake the crap Forest when NC or somebody. State is,
0: is going to South Bend. Right. You know? No. I mean
1: Notre Dame Michigan is a giant rivalry and, you know, when they don't play it annually anymore, but it's but they are playing it this year and you love the fact that it is on a campus, which so many of these week 1 games are not. They're on these neutral sites now. Um, but, you know, from both sides you think about the, you know, the the plot lines that exist. Yeah, you you've had Harbaugh that's been beaten up for most of the off season uh, because people are reminding him what his record is against their two big rivals in the Big Ten: Michigan State and Ohio State. He's got one win against both of them and hasn't beaten even Michigan State in Ann Arbor yet. So this is their their number three big rival. So if you were to lose this in Week One, all of a sudden it's like that just continues to build where you cannot beat your rivals. And then you know, for Notre Dame to lose a game at home, if you're looking big picture of you know where they might settle in in the playoff race. They would pretty much have to run the table the rest of the season with a uh, pretty difficult schedule because they don't have, you know, at the end of the year, they're not going to be able to, like, beat their chest as at least uh, we won a conference or have a conference championship to fall back on, like other schools around the league, uh, the country can, like Auburn would have been able to do last year, even with two losses, had it won the SEC.
0: Yeah. So Jim Harbaugh's got this huge target on him right now in terms of uh, not living up to the expectations. And look, Brian Kelly's on the hot seat too, perennially for some reason, because, you know, Notre Dame, for, for Notre Dame fans, they got to the one national championship, but other than that, they probably had pretty good seasons. He's probably done a, a pretty good job, but that doesn't cut it there. That That's one of those programs that has such a highly inflated sense of self-worth that you know, they've got to start winning. And so that's why I think that game, Michigan-Notre Dame, is the most pressurized game of any game. Because I agree. If Michigan win, then Brian Kelly, for the second year in a row, has lost a big, prime, early-season spotlight game at home. Yeah. You know, he lost to Georgia last year, would have lost to Michigan this year. So those are the games you have to win if you're a Brian Kelly. And for Notre Dame, there's not really any room for error in those games because if you lose them – that makes it really tough for you to climb back up in terms of the uh, college football playoff because you don't have a you know necessary tie-in or anything, no conference title to win or anything. So you've always got to impress. And for Michigan, yeah, if, if Notre Dame win... You know, Jim Harbaugh lost another big game to a, to a big opponent in a rivalry that he was the one that kind of wanted to start back up.
1: Yeah, I mean, of all the games this weekend, I think that's the one where you could make a case that there are definitely some stakes in it that it might be. I mean, for Notre Dame more than Michigan, because again, Michigan down the road can say potentially they win the uh, the Big Ten title. And if one of their losses is at Notre Dame, that's probably not going to be held against them, you know, too strongly there. So they could recover from that. It will be tougher for Notre Dame to do it. But yeah, just for the two individual head coaches, there's a, a lot on the line. And even for Brian Kelly, like what if it's a close one possession game because remember that year, you know, 2 years ago when they went what 3 and 9 and like every one of their losses by was by one possession, then they lose last year to Georgia mm-hmm. by a point. And they got snippy with that reporter who asked him about another one possession loss and he was like, "One possession loss." It was mm-hmm. a one point loss. One possession, one point. but uh, like That's the
0: same thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: But, yeah, I mean, you could tell. I mean, he was tired of hearing about that because it is. I mean, the, the margins for them have been so narrow. So, um, you know, and I guess if you keep losing enough of those one-score games, then, you know, at what point do people start asking, well, you know, is it some of the – are you just unlucky – or is there some strategy that you're using and you're just not as good as the guy on the other sideline at, uh, at winning those things?
0: Labor Day night, does Florida State and Virginia Tech do anything for you? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, hon- honestly though, mostly because it's on Labor Day night, so it's this one-off game that, of course, I'll be watching. I don't know if, necess- if it was just like sandwiched into a uh, weekend with a bunch of other games that it would be as big a deal, but yeah, because it's on Labor Day, you know, it's a conference game too. It's a new era in Tallahassee with Willie Taggart. So, um, yeah, yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm intrigued only by the sense that I'd like to see DeAndre Francois healthy. You know, we, we got he got injured in the, the game last season uh, against Alabama and then that wrecked Florida State yep. season. So, uh, you would hope that, uh, you know, he can stay healthy because uh, from all you hear, he is a – you know, electric talent, and we've seen it in flashes. But you know, maybe uh, he'll be hungry to come back. And uh, Virginia Tech is just kind of fallen into. You know, they were one of the dominant programs when they were in the Big E, or yeah, the Big East. And ever since they got to the ACC, they've just kind of fallen flat.
1: Yeah, and they ended up making a coaching change with uh, Beamer a couple years ago, and Fuentes come in, and they've they've made one ACC title game so far. I guess that was in his first year, because then Miami went. Uh, last season and so you know now you've got you know Virginia Tech and Fuente's third year there he's established things a little bit so even though they're on the road on uh, Monday night I feel like you know that's a game Virginia Tech probably needs to uh, to win because if you're are if you're the Hokies and you've had your coach in place for you know a couple of years now and Florida State's kind of starting from scratch with a new guy um, you know the you know that would be one that you know for Virginia Tech it probably would you know might end up haunting you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely some big games in college football. And there's definitely a big game, maybe not nationally, but to us, Brame. The Georgia Bulldogs open their season against Austin P at Sanford Stadium, a new-look Sanford Stadium with the new video board, the new West End Zone. So, a lot of fans are going to be able to see all that stuff for the first time. Very excited about that. And also just very excited. Look, doesn't matter who the opponent is. When your team plays their first game of the season – You know, it's finally, for the fans, it's like, finally we get to go watch a football game, finally we get to do all of our tailgating, you know, it's Saturday in Athens, all that stuff is back, and if you're a player, man, I get to hit someone that isn't my teammate.
1: Yeah, you know, and for fans, you've been hearing and reading about guys all uh, throughout preseason camp, and I mean, everyone gets, you know, kind of enamored with the true freshman, and we've heard a lot about James Cook, who I think has definitely sealed the deal as the winner of the preseason hype award, so um you know everyone will be eager to see him get some game action and you know Fields who was here for a uh, spring practice it's you know funny how like I mean Cook is kind of through fall camp emerged as the you know the freshman that has
0: um the one that's making the most kind of
1: noise yeah gotten and- the most accolades and stuff and now Fields is kind of you know slid b- behind him but no doubt I mean that first time Fields steps on the field too on Saturday um uh, you know that stadium's gonna go bananas and um, you know, and it's but ultimately it's Austin P. It's one of those win. Hope nobody gets hurt, and then we can move on to a much bigger deal in Week Two against the Gamecocks.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that is uh, going to be a very interesting game against South Carolina, who by the way opened their season against Coastal Carolina. So a battle of uh, the fighting chickens, as you've got Chanticleers Clears versus Gamecocks there uh, in Week One. So both teams playing a, an ease into the season game and you know this is where the south carolina game should be you know last year felt really weird uh waiting as long as you had to to play against south carolina uh so uh you know when was that game last year it was,
1: it was uh in no it was after the florida game that's and right before it was the it
0: was that, auburn game it was that far back it just felt so strange playing south carolina then but now you've kind of gotten things back uh, to normal and you're playing south carolina and look. Just because Georgia is coming off of a national championship appearance and South Carolina still in that kind of building, it back up stage. This has been a, a house of horrors for Georgia at times. This uh, williams Bryce Stadium, or um, yeah, Did I get Willie B. Yeah.
1: yeah, Willie B. That's
0: the thing. The, the college football stadium sandstorm game, sandstorm when, when you have all these uh, hyphenated names and stuff like that, I mean, you you forget. Just, I guess it's easier in pro sports because Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You don't have to remember random names you know so like it's always a little more difficult to get that one but yes the Willie B I had to remember that little thing to make sure I got it right uh it's been a hard place for Georgia to go play and obviously when Spurrier was there with Marcus Lattimore with uh Jadavian Clowney uh just that golden era really uh, of South Carolina football or at least in, in the recent history um Georgia had a lot of trouble up there and like you said, sandstorm, the rooster constantly going,
1: burr, burr,
0: you know, all this stuff. It's de- definitely, they, they create an environment that is that is hostile and hard to play in. Well,
1: and when it's uh, at this early in the season, too, it's always usually blazing hot over there, too. So you got to take that into account, that you'll have uh, temperatures and heat and humidity that, um, I mean, that'll probably end up being like the hottest game Georgia plays all season. So that ends up being a factor in there as... Uh, As well, but South Carolina's got to try and deal now where they've had Will Muschamp and he's exceeded expectations, but now it's Will Muschamp with expectations. And we saw how that worked out for him in Florida after they had that great second year where they went to the Sugar Bowl and then everyone's, you know, juiced up about the Gators again. And the next thing you know, they're losing at home to uh, Georgia Southern.
0: Yeah, so that's the thing. You've got a coach in Will Muschamp who I think learned a lot. During his time at Florida, and it seems like you know he's he's changed. And even that season uh, as the defensive coordinator at Auburn, you know when he's uh, blowing it up on the sidelines, they got uh, a penalty against yeah, us. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I think in the Iron Bowl too. I believe I remember there was a part of him in the Iron Bowl getting really heated about something. So yeah, it's just he seems to have come a long way. And if he can get South Carolina continue to make that improvement that they started last season. You know who knows? Uh, you know what this team could be in the future, but for now, you know that's still a game that Georgia should win, and it's still a, a game that you definitely aren't uh, looking past it at any point. That that's the big one right now but as uh, Kirby likes to say, you know, just one week at a time and and all that uh, cliché stuff, but it's true.
1: No, I mean, you know, if there's one opponent from last season that could legitimately maybe carry some level of confidence into a game this year against Georgia because they just didn't get completely bludgeoned, it would be South Carolina. Yeah, other
0: than Notre Dame, that was the smallest margin of victory. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
1: because that's, you know, one thing you'd like to see to continue to happen for Georgia as it builds something here under Kirby Smart, and especially against the likes of Vandy and Kentucky is just – because um, over the years, you've always gotten the sense like there was a time when Vandy and Kentucky would play like Florida and Tennessee. They did not think they could win those games, but Georgia was always kind of v- viewed as a mark that even though Georgia won more than, more than you know more often than not in those series, you know you guys get the sense like Vandy and Kentucky still came here and played Georgia with the idea like okay, but we could beat we these guys. Them. Yeah, like we can't beat Florida and Tennessee, so. You know, with, with Georgia, what they did to Kentucky last year, you know, what they did to Vandy last year. I mean, those are the types of things where I think margin of victory is meaningful to just, I mean, er, er, you know, erase any hope that those teams have when they when they see your name on the schedule. But And Georgia did that last year to every team it faced, with the exception of, um, of South Carolina, who I think are, you know, using that. And like, all right, as good as Georgia was last year, we hung with them. They only beat us 24 to 10. So, you know, that gives them some confidence heading into – uh you know, the, the game next weekend.
0: Hey, absolutely. So uh, I think, you know, kind of bringing it back, uh, though, to, to this weekend and uh, for Georgia, look, you can't really preview Austin P. you know, to a, to a point of exhaustion. But you can look at it from Georgia's perspective in terms of which of these players, in terms of the young guys, are, are going to make that impression and, and how much are we going to see at Justin Fields? You know, how much are we going to see – uh, you know, uh, uh, James Cook, as you alluded to. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing Zamir White, but that means that you're going to probably get a healthy dose of Elijah Holyfield in this game, and I think a lot of Georgia fans are pretty excited about that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Holyfield's a guy, too. I've even had visions of him because he did. He ret- remember, he returned that kick against Notre Dame, and it got called back because yeah. of holding, but he scored a touchdown. But this is the idea of somebody that big uh, getting up ahead of speed and returning a kick and, you know, being one of the, the other the special teams members of the other team that have to tackle him running that fast and that hard toward you um i wouldn't want that job even if i was like heavily padded yeah,
0: exactly. to have to try
1: and bring down elijah holyfield so i'd be curious to see if maybe georgia does use that as a uh, as a wrinkle with him too and remember too in that uh, the sec championship game the the, the, the play ended up getting called back because of a uh, because of a penalty, but Georgia threw a touchdown pass in and then they had him lined up at fullback. Uh, so even the idea of somebody like him uh, leading the charge for one of the other backs, Swift, Cook, either way, but in that fullback position and just blocking someone, is uh, I'd be uh, intrigued by that potential with him too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this offense, look, you lose Sonny Michelle, you lose Nick Chubb, and I'm going to say the same thing for the defense about Roquan Smith and Lorenzo Carter, and Davin Bellamy. Look, you lose these guys, obviously that's going to hurt. But that's what you have to do now. That's what Alabama does. That's what Clemson has been doing. Uh, These programs at Ohio State that ascend to the top it's because they have get the next guy up, and you don't have a lot of drop off or any drop off, or yeah. some of these guys are even better, which is hard to believe or even hard to fathom when you see a player like Roquan Smith or, or Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb, and there's a possibility that there's some guys out there that are better.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and for some reason, I mean, the, well, for some reason, it's because it was an unbelievable game, but I'd t- the, I think the Rose Bowl has been on like every day. Uh, For the for the last week, either national
0: championship's been on a lot.
1: Either on the SEC network or ESPN Classic. Or this morning, I was watching. It was on ESPNU, and you know, I really took notice today of the games some of these guys on defense had that are coming back. Tyler Clark, uh, Jonathan Ledbetter made huge plays in that game. J.R. Reed made huge plays in that game, and DeAndre Baker made huge plays in that game. DeAndre Walker did so. Yeah, I mean, with Roquan Smith, you lose a, a legend, one of the all-time best that ever played here. But there are so many players coming back on defense when you just think back to that that great win against Oklahoma that had huge, huge games. And, you know, I mean, you ask yourself, okay, was that, you know, one game where those guys really stood out? And, you know, how much is that going to, you know, tell us about their their potential to really break through this fall for uh, for an entire season? But, I mean, that was – you know, on the other hand though that wasn't just one game. I mean, that was the biggest win of the season in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma, just a legendary program. So, yeah, I mean, I've got I got high expectations still for Georgia's defense, like so high that I'd be I'd be disappointed if Austin P scored more than twice this weekend.
0: And like, that could be like two field goals, two touchdowns. You're not, like, yeah, like you, I'm, when I'm thinking about like how is it a point total, or do you have like you want them to be like out of the end zone?
1: Like if they if they if they have the ball, say what between ten and twelve times during a game, if they had if they had more than two possessions where they were able to to score points, I'd uh, I'd probably I'd probably come out of there a little bit disappointed in the uh, in the defense. Short of the offense turning it over in the red zone or something, and then they they don't even have to move just to kick a field goal or something like that. I mean, they'll you know there are different circumstances, I guess. But if there's just like more than two possessions where they actually put together a drive and score points, I'd probably be a little bummed.
0: So does that tell me that you're saying the dogs are going to win this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna make that bold prediction. All right. Yeah, sounds good. We'll I'm gonna plenty- go
0: forty-eight to six. I'm gonna go forty-five to ten. Okay, all right. So uh, there's my uh, there's my prediction: forty-five to ten, and uh, Georgia opens the season with a win over Austin P. We'll have plenty of reaction to that, and looking forward to South Carolina. We may talk a little Falcons next week too, because they'll actually be playing a meaningful football game on Thursday night to open the season in Philadelphia. And plus, the Braves are doing pretty good too. So we'll we'll keep mixing in all that stuff. But college football is upon us. Enjoy the start of the season, everyone. He's Chris Braham. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much. Back next week with another episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.